One of the greatest joys I have is what I'm going to do now. And I know some of you understand it. You know, some of you have been like me, that father standing on the sidelines of a little league baseball game when it's your boy at the plate hitting a home run, and you're just happier than he is. He's scared out of his mind because everybody's looking at him. Somehow he accidentally hit the ball solid. But you're just, you're just like in cloud nine because that's my boy. He just cleared the fence. Glory to God. Look at that. Jay is going to round third base and score a home run. I love you, buddy. Come and minister to the people. be here maybe am i on let's try it again oh you can hear me out there okay i can't hear myself (laughs) that's a problem when you can't hear yourself right i remember uh pastor bill he heard too much of himself over in the ukraine they had their feedback speakers on too loud and i remember he'd be like turn those things off all i hear is echo right (laughs) It's, it's an honor to be here. Um, so uh, before we get into the Word, the um, Lord woke me up in the middle of the night and uh, said, start where you left off the night before. And the last thing we did was, you know, play uh, the, 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 song, the, the song that we were all ministered to. So I asked Him, and that's what I had in my heart, that that was the thing that we needed to do. So I asked Him... Um, to play that again now. And so enter in. There's, there's a special time of ministry that God wants to do to people's hearts tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just take a moment and just remember the last time that God forgave you from your sins the time that he healed your baby the time that he restored that relationship God is so so good amen I love you Lord for your mercy never fails me
Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, if you want to fight the good fight of faith, one of the first realizations, revelations that you need to get into your heart is how good he is. You know, you're on the same team. See, a lot of people don't believe that. They're not sure about that. A lot of the things that are happening in their life, they believe that God put it there. They think God's against them. He's the all-star behind us. He's the all-star behind us. I want to fight a good fight of faith. I got to believe he's for me, not against me. I got to believe that there's a way of escape that he put in place. We heard this afternoon before you were, before the earth was, he already had a way of escape out of your problem. The good faith fight is not a drag. It's not something that buckles us and caves us, but it's a good fight. Open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6. All my life, guess who's been faithful? One thing that I've been here at the landmark, I've been just, you know, I'm realizing this is the 10th year. Am I, am I right on yeah, Sydney, 2009, I counted it the other day on my fingers. 10, 11, no, 2009 I was not here. I was here 2010. 11, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. This is the 11th year. That's why I gave you 10 digits, right? <laughs> so you can count to 11. <laughs> or 12. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I was thinking over what God has done for me. Oh, it, it, I mean, I, I didn't realize I had such a long list. You know, sometimes it's good to reflect. Uh, I remember Pastor Dale talking about getting a legal pad out and writing down everything that um, uh, God had done for him that he's thankful for. And, you know, it's good to do that every now and then because you can easily forget in your faith walk, in your life, what he has already done for you. And what part of the Good faith fight is knowing that he's for you, which then as you begin to win those victories in your life, it will set you up with confidence. 
It will set you up with such a confidence in your life that you can say, and, and we said it this week, Kim and I said it this week, you know, he did it once before, he'll do it again. If he's done it before, he'll do it again. The problem and a lot of the issues sometimes that we have with a, in our faith walk is that we wait till there's a calamity to understand how to fight. That happened to me. I mean, I had a financial crisis of all financial crises happen. It affected other people's lives. Sydney back here affected his life because of a financial crisis in my life. And, you know, I, it got me to my knees, or it didn't even really get me to my knees because I wasn't even to that understanding. Uh, and, and I'd been told, and well, God's got something in it for you. He's taking you through this, and he's got something. Well, he had something for me, but he didn't orchestrate or create that financial crisis. I could have at any time, any day, got on my knees and got right with him. I could have got blessed by him. I could have received his anointing, right? I didn't need that event to get me ready. I could have just, you can get before the Lord and say, I'm ready, right? I'm, I'm ready. Hallelujah. The good faith fight. It's a good fight. It's a good fight. Let's keep reading. Let's read here in uh, 1 Timothy 12. Or sorry, 6, verse 12. See, I still need my digits on my hand to count. Chapter 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So there we have a point of it takes some confession. You've got to open your mouth to fight this fight. Now, in that, and I believe we're building for tomorrow night even already, in that opening of your mouth, it should, not just anything comes out of your mouth, right? The Word comes out of your mouth. Part of the good faith fight. So, so if the Word is to come out of your mouth, that's why you got to understand that God is for you. He's planted those things in you so that it can come out of you so that you can actually have a success, successful fight. See, a successful fight and a good fight is the one you win. If you're constantly getting beat up with losses, it takes, uh, it does something to you because you eventually don't think you can win. And you imagine yourself losing, which is interesting to me because I have never, like, uh, you know, uh, as a softball player, I enjoyed softball. A lot of you know that from last night. Um, but I didn't go up to the plate thinking I'm going to strike out. I didn't dream about striking out. I didn't go to bed and have visions and dreams of how I'm going to strike out at the plate. No, I wanted to hit the winning single, double, triple, or even a home run, right? That's what I want to do. That's what I thought of doing. But in our Christian lives, a lot of times we think of how bad we're going to be. And it creates a reality that we actually bring into play in our lives. 
The other thing about the good faith fight that's amazing, and I talked about this last night a little bit, you got to have the right people around you. And I talked about getting that word. You know, I beg God for a word. I come from Colorado on, on, I believe it was 2013. For some reason, I think it was that year we were at Dave Lannis' church in, in, in uh, Harrisburg. And I'm, I'm just begging the Lord for a word. Lord, give me a word. Please, please, you know, you got words for people. Can I not just have a word? I need a word from heaven. And after worship, Dale calls me up to the platform and begins to prophesy over me. And after halfway through the prophecy, I wasn't sure I wanted a word anymore. (laughs) I mean, it meant a lot to me, and I knew exactly what he was talking about. And I felt a little embarrassed. I'm going, dear Lord, this is in front of, I don't know, 200 people, whatever was there that night. It was a pretty large gathering that night. Well, that's what you get when you believe God for a word right? So, but it matters who you're around. What happened with that word, it ended up being recorded, and I would take that recording, put it into my truck, and there was many a night I was discouraged, didn't feel like keeping on, I wanted to quit, and I'd plug in that CD, I'd put that CD in, we had CDs, not tapes, we had CDs. (laughs) Anybody know what a CD is? (laughs) We're not, they still have those. (laughs) So I'd put that into my uh, player and I'd weep in front of the Lord because of that word that I was at the right place. I was the timing with the right people in the right time. You know, something that the Roman soldiers had figured out Part of the reason they became an empire, part of the reason that they were such, uh, they were amazing uh, military um, machine at the time, even though it was the people, right? Uh, they learned to fight together. And they learned to fight in rank. And one of the things they always did, I get this picture, and this is how I feel that I ought to fight the good fight of faith. You know, there was something, they had shields bigger than most people at that time most armies. They figured out that, you know, you get your shield bigger, you're protected more. Get your faith stronger, you're protected more. You know, the shield goes first. In, in, in the general sense, you could say the sword might get past the shield, but that's when you're attacking, right? And uh, one of the things that made them such a uh, marvel in, in how they um, conquered the world was how they learned how to fight together and one of the things that they would do is they'd take they had more of a square built shield and they would actually use that as leverage and the front line of that um, that uh, troop or the group of people uh, a group of men they would plant that shield right and so as they and a lot of times you I mean you didn't just run into battle that's what the gauls did that's how they got slaughtered right they just ran helter skelter swinging and carrying on and we're going to scare everybody away well the romans fought different they'd take that shield and they'd plant it into the ground bam and one of the things that they learned how to do is as they fought side by side shields locked together they'd plant the shield and then as they planted the shield they were behind the shield and then they'd take their spear and they would jab come back move forward plant jab one of the reasons that's what why they conquered the world we need to learn to fight with people we're supposed to be around 
We're supposed to fight with the people we're put where God has placed us. And that's why I, I, I'm just lo- enjoying the watching Dale and Bob's relationship and Pastor Bill and, and uh, um, you know, different people that are here that you know that you're connected with. You know, the very first night, I met Larry for the first time. And then later that night, we just worshiped the Lord together up here. You know, just had a special time arm, arm in arm. And I felt a connection. That's what this is about. We've got to be connected with the right people. If you're not around the people that think with victory, that desire victory, you might as well, you're already defeated. You have to get yourself to a place that sleeps, drinks, reads, breathes victory. That's how you can fight a good fight. You know, I've had friends of mine that, well, you know, we think we're called and we got to go back to where we came from. And then as they go back to the very quagmire they were in, they're like, well, we're just going to bring a revival there. You know, I haven't found one person able to do that yet. Not by themselves. Because they go back in there and that swallows them. It swallows them. And after a year, they're backslid, not, very, not in the right place. And it's like, well, you know, God's got us. I mean, they say holy words. God's really leading us to go back. Well, maybe, and I've learned to be a little more accurate in asking questions and saying, and one of the questions now I'll ask, are you sure that's the only thing you'll do? God will work with what He's got. But maybe it's the only thing you're willing to do. And if you're only willing to go a certain level and you turn, you know, I don't, I don't want to go any further or deeper or this is it, right? Then God can't work with you anymore, any further. He loves you. He wants to work with you, but you hit a ceiling. And He can do some things in that. I'm not saying He can't work. I'm just saying get yourself at the, with the right people so that you can get to a level that you haven't been with and that way you can actually begin to fight the good fight. The other thing about a good fight, I remember Dale preaching this at a landmark. I don't know which year. I think it was a landmark. Take the battle to the gates. Remember that sermon? I've never heard anybody else preach a sermon like that. See, a lot of times, we will, as Christians, we play defense. Now, I don't know about you, Last time I checked, I like football, I like sports. Um, last time I checked, you can't get the offense and the defense on the field together at the same time. Not unless it's halftime or after the game. Right? You can't play the game with the offense and the defense on the field at the same time. Well, the devil is not omnipresent. God is. Right? So if you're constantly playing defense as a Christian, you never get to play offense. And you will get overrun. 
You can't have and continue in the spirit of victory constantly on the defensive. And one thing that I, I heard uh, Brother Copeland, I believe, say this. He's like, get yourself out on a limb of faith. And I believe it's by the Holy Spirit. We heard today, pray in the Holy Ghost. That's how you're going to learn the mysteries of your life. That's how these mysteries get revealed. Praying in the Holy Ghost. You'll get out on a limb of faith that puts you on the offensive. Instead of always waiting for the enemy to attack and doing nothing, you're doing nothing and you're just, well, huh, well, we'll pray once, you know, we have a problem. Right? I mean, that, 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 I'm talking to myself in a lot of this. You know, you sort of wait till there's an issue. Then we'll pray. <laughs> I mean, we can be, we can believe, we can really pray when we got a problem. And I look at David's life, I see him tested in two places. There was a time of testing when he's running from Saul in the hills. I mean, God sends him a bunch of scrubs. And they're running and dodging and, you know, led by the Spirit. But, but they didn't have anything. And but God still blessed them. And eventually, they, you know, they, they, they got some things. Then I also see David tested when he should have went into battle, but he stayed in the city. And I believe that all of us are tested in the same way. We're tested at the beginning. You're just like, I mean, uh, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, we had, I mean, when the bank account was zero, we meant that. Why did I say that? Because well, a lot of people say, well, yeah, we don't really have any money. And then you come to find out, well, there's $15,000 in the savings account. And there's $100,000 in investments. And, oh, yeah, well, if we pastor pray for me, I don't know, we're really down and we don't really don't have any money. No, when I mean we had zero, we had zero. And sometimes there was that little short line in front of the number. And you figure out and it goes red. And for some reason, the banks don't like that. It's the words of Jesus. Pray. Those you wake up and see that. Well, back then we didn't have online banking, so it actually saved me. Now it's too easy to see, right? Uh, you know, God took us from a place of nothing, and and, when, and not just zero, like uh, Donald Trump. Um, when he was, he wrote a book talking about how, uh, I think it was $70 million in, in debt. I forget now the name of the book. And he, he left the office building at 3 o'clock one morning because he had to call the bankers over in Europe. And uh, he, he, he's telling the story in this book how he walked past the homeless man and he realized that that homeless man living in that box is $70 million richer than him. <laughs> I was actually happy just if I could get to zero. <laughs> God's been so good to us in 10 years. We've come to a place of wanting and needing to go on the, off, uh, on the offensive. If we want to continue a good faith fight... Don't stay on defense. 
If you need healing, go lay hands on somebody else. Believe God for healing for them. If you got negative bank accounts, go pay somebody's debt. The Lord had me do that. We wrote a check. We were in debt. See, your brain goes, well, we're in debt. Why don't we pay our own debt? I'm sewing to get, have my debt paid by paying somebody else's debt, and we wrote them a check. Because we're going to believe for a harvest. I haven't seen that entire harvest yet, but we're sure getting there. We're getting there. It's a good faith fight. See, it doesn't matter how low you are. You can still have a spirit of victory. You can get knocked off your feet. You can be flat on your face. And you can get off your face with a spirit of victory. And say, I'm going to fight the good fight. But you better have the right people around you. Or you're not going to make it. The people here, the pastors here, the leaders here, the church here. You know, right at the beginning, I'd be too embarrassed to tell people, yeah, well, you know, they probably, you know, think, uh, think I'm just full of myself if I tell them to come to church. I totally changed my tune about five years ago. I remember telling Sydney about this. Yeah? You know, I, I, well, you know, well, get yourself in a good church, I'd tell them, you know. Get yourself in a Bible-believing church. I'd change that. I'd get yourself to my church, and you're going to get yourself to a place. Do I believe the Holy Spirit's with me or not? Get yourself to our church, and then the Lord will tell you where to go next. Amen. Because they didn't know. You ask, well, we don't know really what the Lord has. We don't really know what to do. We don't know where to go. We're not sure. Well, I'm sure. <laughs> it's a little like praying in tongues. Well, I don't know about a praying in tongues. I'm not sure if that's for us today. Well, I do. It is for us today, and we just had a sermon earlier today that we ought to do more. So if you're not sure, you're not sure, but I am sure. Last time I checked, you ought to take advice from somebody in authority in the subject. And if you never spoke in tongues, if you never did that in your life, then you're not in authority in the subject. Because I know what it was like to not pray in tongues. Then I know what it's like to pray in tongues. So I got both. I, I can see both sides. But if you've never prayed in the Spirit, you've never prayed in other tongues, then you don't know what it's like to pray in tongues. So you have no authority on whether to say it's fake or not fake. So if you're not sure, you're not sure. But I am. And you can come and we'll help you get sure. <laughs> we will help you and get sure. And then you can be an authority in the subject. Otherwise, we don't want to hear opinions and how it didn't work for aunt so and uncle so. And healing doesn't work for us today because, you know, everybody's got the negative story. You know, a long time ago there was aunt Mim and, or whatever their names are and she died. I remember the very first thing. I have to tell you this because it might dictate how many people come up to, for prayer later tonight. The very first thing I prayed for died. 
But I learned how to pray with a spirit of faith. Yeah, the very first, I, I, we were experimenting. We had some restaurant at that time. Flooring was actually slow. So there was um, a person there in the valley that was raising um, chickens on grass and selling them to the to the, to the uh, restaurants up in Aspen. and So we tried, we were like, well, and the restaurants really like, uh, they wanted grass-fed chicken meat and all this stuff. And, and so uh, the restaurants were asking for duck. Like they said, this is a delicacy. We can really make a lot of money. We want grass-fed duck and, you know, organic and all this stuff. So we had a bunch of ducks. Well, one day I went out there and I seen this duck and it was sick. And I had just got filled with the Spirit. And I'm like, well, here we go. I'm believing God. So I grabbed that duck. I prayed for it with every fiber of my being. In the name of Jesus, you will be healed. The next morning I went out, check up on this duck. It was dead. Yeah, a little too long for dinner. Well, that, um, that rocked my world. I mean, I was, I was trying to believe, and it didn't happen. And I, I, I remember, see, I wasn't really, I had heard these cool stories of people praying for people, right? And so I wanted to try it, and, but I wasn't secure in who I was and what the Lord wanted. And come to find out, I wasn't supposed to be raising ducks with a 10-foot pole anyway. What was I thinking? <laughs> Kim and I got in an argument <clears throat> once. <laughs> if you know Kim and myself, you know that can't have happened. Um... I'm going to tell another story before I tell that story. When I was 18, I had one of my friends uh, start dating. And he dated this sweet girl. She, would, she was so sweet, she didn't have an opinion. So I remember we sort of being the third wheel. We'd drive around, he'd go, What, well, where do you want to go to eat tonight? Well, I don't know. Where do you want to go to eat? I decided right then and there that was not the girl for me. I wanted somebody that would know and would tell me. Like none of this little... So God sent me Kim. Hallelujah. <laughs> right before we got spirit-filled, uh, she came to me and said, you know, I believe we need to get more serious with our Christian life. She didn't know how serious we were going to get. No regrets. No regrets. What was the second, what was that other story I was going to say? What was I saying? Now I forgot it. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I, I'm trying to, you know, get my prayers answered and believe God and the flooring business was really slow. I believe it was 2011 because we were about five months without work in 2011. And uh, believe in God, uh, you know, tithing and giving and believing and uh, it didn't seem like a whole lot of stuff was happening. And then you're trying to do things in the flesh and 
And so this guy's, you know, raising these chickens. Ah, it's just sure this is what we got to do. I mean, you know, raising chickens and being at home is just the life. So, uh, oh, I'm talking to Kim. Kim's out up here rolling her eyes. <laughs> I'm talking to Kim, and she's just like, that's ridiculous. And I was just like, you ought to be led by the Spirit a little more, girl. <laughs> well, I really wanted to do this. I was sure it was of God. <laughs> Larry's back there shaking his head. <laughs> So I went to prayer, and I'm like, Lord, you really need to work on her and change her mind. <laughs> Dear Lord, just give her the anointing. You know, she needs to be able to follow the Spirit, and that's how I'm praying. Finally, I had enough sense to say, you know what? If I'm wrong, take that from me. Because I have I at least got smart enough that the person I ought to live life with, if we want to fight the good fight, we're going to have to do it together in an agreement. And I said, take it out of me if it's not from you. Three weeks later, I thought raising chickens on grass was the dumbest idea. Why would you ever... I mean, they smell, they stink, they, they die. It was awful. Thank you, Jesus. I began to realize that my wife is my first stop sign or go sign, right? I, as a visionary person, sometimes you can bebop around and try a bunch of different things. And if we're not in agreement, then we're not doing it. If we're not in agreement, then I'm not doing it. And I believe there's safety in the people you're around. The next step for me was my pastor. Right after I got spirit-filled, I had been, you know, people come to me and say, oh, pastor, when we were growing up, you know, we were spiritually abused and all this. I'm like, yeah, I know what that's like. Well, that's why we can't really, you know, we don't really want to submit and... And, you know, it's just hard. And, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. We couldn't get married because two bishops were on the wrong, uh, you know, had a church split. And so they didn't want to marry us because of that. I know all about that. Too far down. So, um... I read the book, Undercover, by John Bevere, and it set me free. Set me free. Because I was headed to the wrong ditch. Well, you know, I can hear from God. I can hear from God. I mean, come on, you're telling me I can't hear from God? You know, there is safety with being with the right people. If Kim and I are in an agreement, the next person I call is Sydney. You heard my story about when Kim said, well, I don't think you should go to the landmark this year. And I'm like, get behind me, devil. 
I mean, seriously, I was like, why are you even bringing this up? This, we go to the landmark. That's what we do. And then I called Sydney, and I'm like, I began to realize that this might be um, of God, actually. And I called Sydney, and, and I mean, we talked on the phone just a couple minutes, and he's like, you know, I, I think it's okay if you don't come in this year. And then I felt a relief in my spirit. See, it matters who you're fighting the good fight with. If you can't be lockstep with the front line in battle, you can't fight the good fight. You can't. God set it up that way, so talk to him if you don't like it. Fight the good fight of faith. Let's, let's go to First um, Samuel. And I want to look at a little bit of what David did. I, I, I really felt, and God told me last night, that I'm supposed to bring some truths out about David. So uh, I want to do that tonight. Last night I didn't get to it. It's protection for us. If you're with the right people, it's protection for you. We've got to realize that. If I'm, not, if I'm with the wrong people or I refuse to hook up with the right people, we can be in danger. My life's too short to make a five-year wrong decision. It can affect my wife, my children, right? More than just me. It's not just about me. It can affect the next generation if I make a wrong decision for a number of years, right? You know, Kevin and Kelly, they have a testimony that's amazing. They knew where they had to be plugged in at and drove how many hours? Five, six hours, five hours? Every single weekend for how long? Three years. That'd be like Kim and I driving to Denver to church. That'd be awful <laughs> for us. But this is what, exactly what they needed to do. Because they were want, needing to be with the right people. He'll give you the grace for who you need to be around. He'll give you that grace. And that's, there's safety in that to keep us from making just a crazy, like, you know, I was sure the Holy Spirit told me to raise chickens. I, 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 you know, I can miss it. We can miss it. Thank you, Jesus. Let's look here at David, 1 Samuel chapter 17. So we know the story of David uh, and, and Goliath, and we've probably heard it ever since we were, you know, three, four, five years old. But I want to point five things out that happened before he got to Goliath. Before. See, we all want the joy of defeating a Goliath. Last night I talked about a testimony. Some people, they fail the test and have the monies, right? And so we'll watch somebody give a testimony and we're like, oh man, I wish I'd have a testimony like that. Wouldn't that be great? I, you know, everybody laugh. This is great. But when you're going through it, it's that great. The good faith fight, and I believe we'll get into this tomorrow, but part of the fight is to do nothing but rest. It doesn't sound like a fight, not a natural fight. 
The fight is to stay in rest. That's the fight. See, we want to do something. We want to generate, you know, especially men. I mean, we, we've got to get our hands on them. We've got to do something, right? And we'll get into our mind and we'll lose the sight of Jesus has already finished it for me. And I need to rest in that it's his victory. It's his battle. It's his battle. I get to rest. But now what do I have to do? There's things I do to stay rested. That's not counter to what it sounds maybe. Like that wouldn't work together. But there's things you do to stay in rest. Hallelujah. Chapter 17, um, we have the story. In verse 15, But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Now, why would he do that? See, Saul had already hired him to come to the palace and play the harp. Saul knew who David was. There was some prophetic things that people spoke to Saul about David saying, man, he's this and this. Well, he hadn't done any of that stuff yet. So here he's at the palace. See, he, be, he began to see success and victories in his life. And now he's at the palace and he goes back and feeds his father's sheep. And the first thing I want you to get is David didn't forget where he first met God. It wasn't about the sheep. It was about God training him to be in his presence while he took care of the sheep. And if you go back and don't forget what God, where you first, where you met with him. Don't forget, we can get busy. We can move on to the second and the third and the fifth, tenth thing God has for us, and we forget about um, how we fellowship with Him right at the beginning. We need to remember that. We got to go back sometimes. And, and He had the humility. See, a lot of us now say, well, you know, I've passed that. I mean, God promoted me. I'm not going back to the sheep. Why would I go back to the sheep? I mean, they've always smelled. For years, I was just wishing I could leave, right? I just, I'm done with that. I, I'm just, I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm done. I moved on. But no, he had the humility to go back and still take care of him. I believe he went back because he wanted time to fellowship with his father. He wanted time. The sheep were just there. That's what, what he did. But he wanted time. You've got to remember, David was the one that his dad forgot. I mean, he could have been offended. I personally believe, you can say, Jay, this is personal opinion. That's okay. I personally believe that David was an illegitimate child. And some of you theologians may not agree with that. That's Okay. Uh, and the reason I say that is he says that in iniquity he was conceived in Psalms. And I believe there's maybe possibly more than one meaning for that verse. But what dad forgets his child? He had all the other boys there. Samuel was coming. We're throwing a big party. Oops, we forgot the youngest. No, I believe he was trying to hide him. 
he wasn't really technically the son, right? And here's David. Well, he's out with the sheep. And he learned even though his dad ignored him and he went through that, that could have been traumatic. You know, the other reason I believe that is why did his bro- older brothers have such envy and meh at their youngest son? What was going on? There was more than just he was the youngest. It was like, what are you doing here? Aren't you supposed to be back with dead sheep? You ought to be back there hid. You're not supposed to be out here with the rest of us. But he, got, he learned to worship God. He learned to fellowship with God. So number one, David didn't forget where he first met God. The second thing is verse 20. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper. And he did that and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. He was still under authority to his father. He was obedient to what his father told him. David was under authority. I didn't finish the story, but I read the book Undercover. And after I read that book, I mean, it it really gripped me. And I went to Sydney and I said, Sydney, this is what the Lord showed me. You're my pastor. We're going to work together. I mean, I, I didn't know anything back then. I barely knew how to read my Bible back then. I had just got filled with the Spirit, and I was sure this was great. You just get people Spirit-filled, and life is, you live happily ever after. You know, I was on, I mean, cloud nine. We were on cloud ten. You know, and, and, but I went to Sydney, and I said, Sydney, you're my pastor. I realize that. I submit to your authority. I verbally said those things, not just I thought them, not just I showed up at church. No, I verbally went and said, I'm under your authority, and I learned to embrace being submitted. See, when we learn submission, submission is not necessarily a popular word these days, but submitted or under another mission, submission, right? Submission, under mission, right? So we're under Jesus' mission, number one, Lord, Savior, right? But even in the body, if we're going to fight the good fight, it talks about, we've got to be in lockstep. And if, you know, if, if just take the Roman army, if one person in that front line decides, you know what, today I don't feel like going out, there's a gap, right? And then the enemy can funnel right through there. No, what made them so good in a world power is they had their troops lined up. There was no break in the line, And they learn to work together. And if we're going to work together as a body, if we're going to wrap this up, right? If we're going to wrap this up, Jesus is going to come and find faith on the earth. And we're going to wrap this up. We need to learn to work together. If you're fighting your pastor, it's the wrong fight. I mean, can you imagine one of the Romans as their lockstep going up? And, 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 you know, the guys in the back decide, you know what, now's the time to backstab. There's no battle. 
You're not going and doing anything doing that. All it'd take is one or two. And you have gaps in the line. If you want to continue the good faith fight in your life, get yourself in the right place with the right people with the spirit of victory and I guarantee you it'll rub off on you. You can't help yourself if you get under the mission of God. He's designed it this way. He's planned it this way. He wants it this way. That if you do what you're supposed to, then you will have victory. You will have victory. It will be there. David started figuring that out. He's already in the palace of the king. He could have said, I don't need to feed my dad's sheep. Who's dad? He ignored me back there. Couldn't even get to the anointing service. I mean, the prophet Samuel was coming. And David still honored his dad. And if what I just said opinion on what I believe David was, he really honored his dad, even if his dad did reject him. He honored his dad. Number three. Hmm. Go to verse 34. Now David's in front of Saul. David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. Whose sheep were they? A lot of people want to say they're mine. Well, they'd be my sheep. I took care of them for all these years. Why wouldn't they be my sheep? Or at least I could tell Saul they're my sheep. No, they're his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flocks. Out of the flock. I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. How many people would have played defense? I mean, come on. A lion showed up. Don't you just, like, you know, what's Proverbs say? Uh, don't grab the ears of a dog. Like lions, you just like, oh, man, he, oh, oh, he laughed. Ha, thank God he laughed. But he had a sheep. He had a lamb. There was a problem. David didn't sit there. He went after the lion. He went after it. I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Number three, David understood testing. David understood testing. Now, I believe that was in two areas. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. 
Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Verse 39, David fastened his sword. Saul tries to give him his armor. It's the wrong armor. It's the wrong thing. It's the wrong, he's, at the wrong, he's with the wrong people. The wrong time. Wrong stuff. It's not right. It's not working. Right? Little shepherd boy. Remember Saul was seven foot tall, a lot of people believe, or it was at least head and shoulders and everybody else. Right? So his armor is big. David tries to fight in the wrong armor. Guess what happens? But see, we've got a lot of people that have never been tested. They haven't fought the lion. They haven't fought the bear. And they're going to charge headlong into battle with Saul's armor. And then they come back going, I, I, I mean, I, I tried to believe. I, I, was, I was believing. Don't you dare tell me that I didn't have faith. I had somebody tell me that. They were believing somebody would be healed. And it was sad. Don't you dare tell me that I didn't have faith. In other words, what I dare tell you is you think you did absolutely everything correct. And God messed up. Ouch. Now, I didn't tell him all those things. I began to see those things. And I'm going, I pray to God I never carry that attitude. That, well, God messed up. Because when we have the attitude, well, I, I, I was believing. The attitude is, I did everything correctly. And God messed up. I did everything right. I checked off all the boxes. And if I did everything right, then I couldn't have possibly done anything wrong. And if I didn't do anything wrong... Dear Lord, it wasn't my fault. It was his fault. See, David understood testing. He understood, here it says in, in verse 39, David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk. <laughs> I bet he did. For he had not tested them. There's a testing of your equipment. The testing of faith right? Works patience. It's not patience, oh, I got to wait. It's a different patience, right? The testing of your faith, you need, if you want to have good fights, then you need to get yourself in good scraps. <laughs> I told you last night that when, when the worst games were when we were up 25 nothing in the second inning in a softball game. We're all batting left-handed. And I just drove as fast as I could drive through the mountain passes to get there for that game. I spent three hours on the road driving, and in about 15 minutes, we're all batting left-handed. That wasn't any fun. No, I, I like when they, we used to be like, can't they at least make it a little close? <laughs> I mean, it felt good. Now, if you knew you were playing a really good team and you did that, that was a different story. You relished the romping, right? You were like, this is amazing. If we shut these guys down and we win 15 to nothing, that's, we 10 run them, that's awesome, right? 
you will be able to fight a better fight with testing in your life. I also said this last night. I said, I'd I, I like to do CrossFit, but I, I've yet to get fit eating potato chips sitting on the couch. Now, I wish I could do that. I wish I could look like Sydney. You know, muscles and skinny and just, yeah, that's how it out. Now, if I want more muscles, guess what has to happen? A little bit of pain, a little bit of time, and, and we've got to go out there and we've got to exercise them to the point that they can grow. You will grow in your faith with a good fight, and if you don't ever have good fights, you can't grow. You ought to want to get in the ring, in the scrap. Now, that's why I'm saying we've got to stop fighting defensively all the time because we wait to fight a good fight. Well, we want to fight a good fight, but we wait till something, a calamity happens in our life, and then all of a sudden we've got to get spiritual. All of a sudden we've got to have a relationship with God. It could be a, a death, near-death experience. It could be a financial collapse. It could be whatever it takes. And suddenly, I need to pray. And we need to learn that don't wait till the next thing in your life to step out in faith. You know, this spring, we had some of the most amazing things happen to us this year in the middle of a pandemic. God has supplied our needs in ways, amazing ways, when everybody else is in fear, not sure what's going to happen next. We had increase. We had increase. So one of the ways we had increase is, well, I started praying about what we can do for the city of Delta. I'm like, Lord, you know, how can we help the city? What can we do with this region? Like, how can we help? We want to help. This is our time. I was preaching on this. It's our time to shine. The darker it gets out there, the brighter we shine. And I'm going, Lord, what can we do for the city? Well, one day I happened to be pacing back and forth, praying in the Spirit. Now, I had prayed this prayer before, so it could have been previous prayers also, Right? And uh, next thing I know, I'm, I'm making phone calls, and, and I had seen on, on Facebook, thank God, Facebook, Facebook can be used for good things. And uh, I seen on Facebook that I got some friends that have a food bank, and they got all this food, and they don't know what to do with it. And I'm going, huh, that's interesting. And I followed away, and I, you know, I didn't really put anything together. And then I had another friend call me that comes to church there, and he's like, well, hey, you guess what? I got these these loads, uh, really high-paying loads going to the East Coast. And, um, and I, he happened to just mention it to me at one of the services. That's how it was. He just mentioned to me that he's got some high-paying loads going to the East Coast, but he doesn't really have a return load. So I'm walking back and forth, and I'm praying, and all of a sudden it goes, food? He needs a return load. We need $15,000, Dale. Well, I don't know how to, we don't have $15,000. And what I needed was, I at that point was thinking, well, we'll just, uh, to cover all the expenses of, of getting the food out there to distribute, we need to raise $15,000. Then as it went on, we kept doing what? Praying in the Holy Spirit. And as we began to do that, we're going out on offense. We're not waiting for defense. We're going on offense. See, the battle to the gates, if you're breaking down the enemy's gates, he don't have time to break down yours. 
He's defending. Make him defend. We go on the offense. So as we're doing that, um, I mean, I told uh, a pastor out there, I said, it happened so fast, I didn't have time to back out of it. I called Blessing of Hope. Some of you know the Amish guys here, Blessing of Hope with the food bank. And um, we called them and said, well, you know, what does it cost to get to get uh, a whole tra- uh, trailer load of food? We're going to hand this out. And he told me, and, and uh, we figured out what the fuel would cost to get it out there. And I'm like, boy, wow. Lord, I don't know. It's your idea. <laughs> Well, it was his idea. I mean, I didn't think it up. It was his idea. So as I'm thinking about his idea, it, it, as we planned this, we, we scheduled the pickup. And see, we got to a point we couldn't back out. I, I told the church and I told a pastor, I said, we got to a point, if I'd have sat down and thought it through, I'd have canceled everything. But I knew it was of God. I knew it was, I mean, when was the last time you ordered 40,000 pounds of groceries? <laughs> I knew we weren't going to eat it all. So um, as it developed, we suddenly had an idea. Well, we would just put suggested donations like people can give as they come get their box, and we'll just put a suggested donation. We can't actually sell the food. Uh, we'll just put a suggested donation sign out there, and, and we're going to invite the whole town. Well, I go to the city, and they were like, I met more. I met the mayor. I met his wife. I met, I met uh, the police chief. Like people I had never met before, right? It was time I met them. I've been praying for them. It's time I met them. And I got to meet these people, and um, we set it up. Of course, this was right after the pandemic started, and it was sort of a mess to set things up, but things just kept happening. And we got 40,000 pounds of food. We had that truck arrive. And in three hours' time, three hours, that entire truck was empty. Scott. I had a friend of mine show up to help. He goes, Jay, what do you want me to do? I said, I don't know. Well, we got too many people. I mean, the health department was crawling all over us saying, we got too many people. There's too many social distancing. We need people social distancing. There's too many people. And, we ca- and all these volunteers just flooded in to help. And I think we had 40-some volunteers that morning. And, and the, health, the, 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 uh, the head of the health department, he shows up, and he comes over to me. He's like, Jay, Jay, we have too many volunteers. <laughs> so we started rounding them up said go home don't need you so that's why my friend showed up and he's just looking around and uh, he had a mask on it was hilarious uh, he had this mask on and he's got his you know, he's looking out over the mask and he's just looking around he's like Jay what just happened and there was probably a hundred cars in the parking lot waiting to get in line to pick up their box. They had traffic, CDOT was out by, had a truck with an arrow sign out on the road directing people, telling people, well, they had food boxes on there and telling them where to come in, and there was people lined up all the way to the light and then all the way to McDonald's, yeah. which is about a quarter mile away, and the police chief wasn't overly happy. He was happy we did what we did, but he wasn't very happy that we blocked traffic. 
And after we were all done, we collected everything. Of course, we're collecting cash, right? And we take this. It was the largest pile of ones and fives and tens I've ever seen in my life. And we take it back to the church and, and all the tables were gone. So we dumped it all out on the floor and we all just looked at it going, did we just do a drug bust or what happened? <laughs> I'm looking over my shoulder counting like, Scott, $18,000 came in because people gave more than the suggested donations. I had a business call me the next day and say, hey, how can I get in on this? And I said, well, we're going to bring another truck. That's what we're going to do. And that doesn't mean you won't have challenges. That was the fastest I've seen a truck get unloaded. We had challenges the second and the third truck. We had to fight the good fight. But if we wouldn't have had a test before, we'd have folded on the second truck. We'd have folded. We only got rid of half the truck. You know, people, you know, we heard, well, we got our, what did we hear? We got our stimulus check. We don't need food. People were walking out of Walmart with big screen TVs and bicycles. And I'm going, Wow. And we only got rid of half the, half the truck. And people were going, well, what are we going to do? I'm like, I don't know. It was God's idea. <laughs> I don't know. It's God's idea. So we were talking to um, the, the um, fire, uh, fire chief. And um, he thought we ought to go to his town. So we did. And we got rid of a lot more that evening. And then uh, he had made some connections. And middle of the night. I mean, I went to bed. We still had 12 pallets of food. And I knew that we couldn't keep it much longer. Like, this stuff's going to go bad. And I'm going, wow, 12 pallets of food, and I'm doing math. Yeah, sometimes I wish I wouldn't be so good at math, you know. And I uh, loved math in school. And, and, yeah, I'm just like, oh, wow. Hmm, what are we going to do? I don't know what we're going to do. And so I go to bed, middle of the night, bolt upright in bed. I'm sitting up. And the Lord goes, I just felt the Lord just drop into my spirit. You're going to take it to Cortez. I'm like, Cortez? I hadn't even, well, we had mentioned it a little bit the day before, but yeah, I knew where it was. So the next morning, I get on the phone. It was like 7 o'clock. I'm like, well, we're taking it to Cortez. That's what the Lord said in the middle of the night. That's what he said. I'm going to be obedient to what he said. And the police chief, oh, no, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think you should take it down there. I don't know if they can get rid of it down there. He's trying to talk me out of it. And I'm like, uh, Doug, um, we're taking it to Cortez. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I guess if that's where you want to go. Yep, that's where I want to go. We're taking it to Cortez. Well, I'll make some phone calls. In an hour, they had people lined up or ready to go and, you know, getting all the permissions and where we're going to park and all that stuff. Took that truck down in the afternoon, parked it, um, and what, in, in two hours' time we had it unloaded, something like that. It was a little slower, but we had, uh, we showed up and traffic was backed up for at least a half a mile waiting for us to show up. I tell you what. When you get on board with what God has for you and you understand, if you've been tested a little bit, Dale will preach a sermon on believe God for a pair of socks. Yeah. 
you know what, that sermon has helped me because a lot of times we skip over the little things and we want to believe God for the big things. David did not do that. He started with, he was faithful and listened to his dad and took care of the sheep. And then when something came, he believed God, right? It was a lion and then a bear and he believed God. But he wasn't fighting the Goliath. He wasn't fighting. See, yeah, well, we'll get so uh, riled up. And we're like, we're going to raise the dead. And we have never actually done believe God for anything. There, there's a progression. The Word talks about growing in faith, right? There is a growth. I know it's just a little, but actually a lot of times it's not a faith problem. It's an unbelief problem. Because you only need a faith the size of a mustard seed, right? The problem is the unbelief that's still in, the, in your life that you may not be aware of. You're trying. I'm, I want to be compassionate here. You're trying to the best of what you know how, right? I, I want to recognize that. But don't think you've done everything perfectly and you've arrived in all areas of faith yet. Get tested Embrace the test if it's even something little like believe in God for socks. Believe him for socks. Because once you get those socks, oh, it feels so good. You're like, they're, they, they were, I mean, they weren't the best socks, but they were God's socks. They were God's socks. Start on something. Uh, Kim and I have, and again, this is part of who I fight the good fight with. One of the things we have learned to do and be very honest with each other, and it's okay to be this honest with each other, when one of us is fired up in faith, the other one can say, I'm not there. Help me. Right? Sometimes we're not there. And we got to build ourselves up in a level and a place so that we can be there. Now, it's always available to you. God's not withholding it. But recognize, honestly, look at yourself. If you're not there and you don't have it, you can get it. But if you don't have it, don't just be ready to, oh, yeah, I'm going to believe by faith. A lot of times it ends up being a show. And then we wonder why we crash and burn. Kim and I have crashed and burned a lot of times. Probably more than, I'm guessing more often than the winds. I don't even remember half the crashes and burns. I mean, maybe some big ones along the way. But a lot of, we, I remember we believed for a house. We believed for a house for years. We called it our yellow house. Because it was bright yellow. It was, nice, it was nicely painted. It was empty. Sat there empty for years. And we'd go by and we'd say, that's our house. But we didn't, we're, we aren't in that house. And, and I've, I realized along the way, I'm like, you know, we, we missed it. Somewhere we missed it. But let me tell you, the day before we came in here, no, a couple days. We, no, the day before we came in here. We signed on a dotted line for a house.
David understood testing. He tested his weapons. He's okay to be tested. You should be okay to be tested. A new thought is welcome it. See, a lot of times like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I want to go through that. No, welcome it. You welcome the testing so it gets you set up and ready to move forward. God will have something bigger. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting with people that are talking about countries being saved. I didn't ever come up with that. I mean, I'm like, well, let's get one saved. <laughs> and I sit in a room that talk about we want countries. It's a lot bigger picture. Not just this country, other countries. And the vision God's put in their heart. Couldn't do that by myself. I wouldn't have thought of that. Thank you, Jesus. Number four, look at David's confession. All the way through here, he keeps saying things. You know what? That giant is no different than the lion and the bear. God help me then, he'll help me now. I'm telling you what comes out of our mouth is a lot of times more powerful than we even think. And a lot of times you can't put things together quite as quick as you destroyed it. Right? We live in a fallen world and, and to destroy things can sometimes happen really quickly. You can destroy your faith with a couple words. And then you spend a week or a month trying to build yourself back up by what you destroyed. We've got to understand that sometimes uh, destruction can happen very quickly. Number five, verse um, 47. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. Thank you, Father. The good fight is realizing it's the Lord's. It's not yours. If you pick it up, you'll lose. The good faith fight is realizing it's His. You know, I remember asking the Lord, I'm like, what does more than a conqueror mean? You ever wonder that? I mean, doesn't a conqueror conquer? Doesn't it? So if a conqueror conquers everything, then what's more than a conqueror? Right? So I'm just asking the Lord, well, what's more than a conqueror? I mean, a conqueror already does everything. So if a conqueror conquers, it's, he did the job. Then why am I more than a conqueror? And the Lord says, because you don't have to do anything. You don't have to do it. See, that's where we lose the good faith fight. Because we start thinking, I got to do something. I got to do it. No, the fight is staying in the rest and understanding that Jesus has already finished it. Now I'm going to stay in that finished, rested place.
place and come from that position instead of trying to roll up my sleeves. So the confession that you need in your life isn't to convince God. I'm going to have to repeat that. The confession that you're confessing in your life is not to convince God. Well, who's it to convince? You. And that way you can stay rested. Coming out of your mouth is speaking to you. You're your best preacher. I mean, I can preach an anointed sermon, but if you go home and take a couple things that the Holy Spirit ministered and begin to apply it and use it over your life and coming out of your mouth, you're a much better preacher than I am. Because you actually believe what you say. You believe what you say. Well, that's my problem. I don't always believe. Yeah, no, actually you do. Oh, well, yeah, but you know, I, 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 it just doesn't work for me. It's working. It's working. Yeah, it's just, I don't know about it. It's working. I'm just not sure about that. It's working. I remember my friend calling me one day, and he just, I, I mean, I, in five minutes on the phone, he said, I don't know about 15 times. Finally, I said, stop saying I don't know. Because you're having what you say. And if you say you don't know, you won't know. I remember when I was, we were praying. I was praying. I felt the Lord directing me to get to uh, Delta, plant the church in Delta. And I'm, and I'm uh, praying about where to go, what to do. Should we go to Mantra? Should we, uh, actually, it was before that. We knew we needed to leave. Uh, well, actually, it was Bob's fault. <laughs> Bob was out there, and he's like, Jay, you really should probably try to get out of this building. I'm like, yeah, this building's not, and it was not a very nice building, American Legion Hall that we were renting. And um, so I'm trying to get out of the building. And, you know, I don't know where to go. And I kept saying, I'm not sure where I'm going to go. And I remember driving up to the red light there in Olathe, and the Lord says, that's your problem. You're pulling up to a light, and you're going, I don't know where to go. Start saying, I do know where to go by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will move us to where we need to go. Thank you, Jesus. And now we're in Delta where we're supposed to be. In a building that's going to be ours. And that's going to happen in about four months. Glory to God. Our building. Church of the Word building. Bob, I'm going to tell you a story. This is for you. <laughs> Pre-service prayer. I remember I was at the American Legion Hall. We'd pray down in the basement. There was a Masonic Lodge there above it. And I remember we'd get down there, and I mean, we'd pray in the Spirit and bind and loose and carry on and jump and shout and I mean, we, I, I don't really know what was going on, but man, well, I do know what was going on. But we would, I mean, this is every service. And, uh, and we'd go have our service. Well, after a couple months went by, I quit praying like that. 
I just went down, actually fellowship with the Lord, and just prayed. Prayed in spirit. And uh, one day there was a repair that needed to be made, and, and the guy that took care of the building uh, was showing me around, and he's like, oh, we need to go up there over there on that side of the building. We need to go up there. And, 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 and I said, go up there. I mean, isn't that the Masonic Lodge? You got it all closed up, looks dingy, no windows, you know. And he's like, oh, no, we can go in there. He's like, they're not there anymore. I said, they're not there. Oh, no, they haven't been there for a couple months. They moved out. I was like, glory to God, I prayed right underneath that. My prayers went straight up. They left. <laughs> but we needed a building, amen? So what am I trying to get at tonight? David had an understanding of some things before he ever got to Goliath. Some of you are fighting Goliaths in your life. Go back and understand the testing is good. And don't fight the Goliath before you're ready. David didn't go, oh, how are people going to look at me if I slay this giant? No. Nobody's seen him take on the lion or the bear. Nobody. Until he told people. But then when he was ready to step out and step forward, he could speak with authority and he could speak and fight in faith. You know, taking five smooth stones. I mean, everybody on that hillside had to be, what are you thinking? There's pastors here that have kept their churches open. And the world said, what are you thinking? It's a deadly disease. We could all die. What are you thinking? Right? But let me tell you, you surround yourself with the right people. You can get into a good faith fight with the spirit of victory. And you can go right through a pandemic and get increase. Amen. We had visitors show up at our church saying, well, we came because our church was closed. Well, then maybe you ought to find a different church. Hallelujah. Let's just worship him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. Lord, what do you want to do? I had it in my spirit that uh, we would play another song. Kim would play another song. And uh, I'm not 100% sure right now. Is that okay? I want you to pray with me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus.
You know, this, tonight's a divine appointment. I can't shake what Dale's been saying. Divine appointments of, of people being here. I want Kim to play a song that's has been life-changing to me. Because it realizes that the decisions I, I began to realize worshiping with this song that I'm affecting generations. And the blessing of God that's on me is on my children. Yes. For a thousand generations. He causes His face to shine upon me. And He does the same thing to you. And that anointing is on your life. And God needs your children. Because there'll be a time when Jesus will wrap this up. And he will find faith on the earth. Amen. You're here. I'm here. We got a good faith fight. He's finding faith. We're going to have faith here on this earth. We're believing He'll come. We believe He'll return, right? It's going to be an amazing church that is here to receive Him. You're part of it. I'm part of it. Your children are part of this. I want you to have this song minister to you. Parents. Children, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace. Lord, bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Turn it.
his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening in your coming and your going and your weeping and rejoicing he is for you specific word of the Lord to pray over you if you have that in your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm, thank you, Jesus. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Be gracious 
to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and he will give you peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance. <laughs> The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. You know, at a thousand generations, this one's number one. you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace, Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Shalom. Peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. give you peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. 
This is the picture I'm getting. Jesus stood up in that boat and he looked at that wind and the waves and he says, peace, be still. I speak peace over your life. up his countenance upon you. That means he's looking at you. And give you peace. Do you have peace? Yes. Just put your arms out like this. I just said, I receive. presence. Thank Him for His grace. Thank Him for His mercy. Thank Him that you're alive in the Spirit tonight. Thank Him you have a family. Thank Him for when He's healed you. Thank you for when He's blessed you. Thank you that He didn't forsake you. Thank you that He's forgiven you. Thank you that He's cleansed you. Thank you that He's given you hope. 
Thank you that he gave them, he's given you friendship. He's given you relationships. He's given you comfort. Thank you for his peace. Thank him for who he is. Thank you for who he is. He's the great God, the everlasting God, the mighty God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace. He's our God, our Lord. Jesus is my Lord. I thank you for it, Father. Thank you for keeping these people and everyone home safely. Bring them back again tomorrow. We thank you for this landmark and the importations we've received. We bless you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Well, we love you so much. And remember, one way we love God is by loving one another. Thank you for being a part of this date with us. We, we hope to see you again tomorrow at 1 o'clock. God bless you as you go. Amen. that this offering tonight be ascend to the heavens. We bless you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's sing. Praise God. Ready to build a throne out of girders? <laughs> for those of you here last night. Okay, praise God. Amen. Hallelujah.
house there, I'm having too much fun. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, I bless you, Lord. I glorify your name. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Hallelujah! <laughs> yeah. You know, one way we love God is by loving one another. So turn around and greet someone, shake their hands, hug their neck, tell them your name, ask for theirs. Make yourself known to one another. Love is here. Jesus is here. Are you Lord God Almighty? Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. You are mercies endureth forever. Amen. Amen. Whew. I'm just so full, glory to God, full of the word, full of the spirit, full of fellowship, full of curry. Amen. Wasn't that a wonderful dinner? Thank you, Troy and Rebecca. Oh, there you are. Thank you so much. Oh, it's her, not you, huh? Amen. Well, you supported her. We have our place, man. We have our place. Thank you so much. Enjoy the fellowship. You know, I don't know about you, but that's one of the things I look forward to. Not quite as much as the ministry of the Word, because we, we put divine things a little bit higher. But actually... All I heard around the tables was the Word of God anyway. Fellowship and the love of God and getting to know one another and swapping stories and building one another up. Isn't it fun? I like, I like hearing things in the hall of, hey, let's, let's us get together this evening. And How about tomorrow? What are you doing? Let's meet with this one, meet with that one. I appreciate it. And I hope no one felt lonely. I hope no one felt left out. And uh, if so... Shame on you for not just pushing in. Sometimes you just got to push in. Just got to say, hey, I'm here. <laughs> Amen. And uh, we, we want everyone to know we love you. Everyone to know you're welcome here. Everyone to know that Jesus loves you. So you're one of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I don't know, Bob, what are you doing way back there? Is that, that's where all the needs are. He's back there praying for people, isn't he? Well, I'm telling you, he hears and does. <laughs> he's a watchman on the wall. He likes to watch. Be careful, he's watching you. Hey, uh, tomorrow night, we're, we as a body, we're not making dinner. We're going to crash a party. The, uh, uh, we, we're so blessed... Uh, when we were in need of a new home, Sydney came to me. We were over in Greenfield. Sydney came to me w with uh, news of a church that 
needed uh, uh, some funds and was hoping to have someone else rent the facility with them. And we became uh, immediately, I was immediately uh, touched by Pastor Demica. And the Ethiopian church that owns the building has hosted us. We rent from them for so many years now. Well, they're doing an Ethiopian food fundraiser tomorrow from 1 to 7. From 1 to 7. So we can crash their party at 5. Do we know what, is it by donation basis? Does anyone know what that is now? It's by donation basis. And, uh, you know, I, don't, I know you folks, we don't have any trouble with that. What's that? Do they know we're coming? They're praying that we come. Yeah, they're, they're praying that we come and empty our pockets and bless Ethiopia, which we will. We, sh- we shall, in Jesus' name. Oh, empty your pockets and fill your belly. Amen. So it's a love offering. And uh, what, what a blessing that is. Praise God. Um, we have, well, why don't we prepare to receive the offering right now? And praise the Lord. You, you all have been so, such a blessing to us. Thank you again. For your generosity, if you're making out a check, make it out to Armada. If you're making a a cash gift, we've got ushers in the aisles with envelopes so we can properly receipt you at the beginning of next year. If you're using a credit card, just fill out all the details on there, and uh, we, we appreciate that. Bless you. Amen. God is so good. I don't know. I got blessed last night. It was nice to... It was nice to rest and let somebody else minister the word to me. And it did. It ministered to me. Praise God. I also know who to call if I need new wood floors. Glory to God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kim saying, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Are you ready to give? Hallelujah. Is anybody in here? Anybody in here can, can testify the faithfulness of God and blessing your finances? Anybody in here? Isn't he a good God? Brings us through, doesn't he? Amen. As you sow, you're going to reap. Amen. I, don't, I love that part where David said, I've been young and I am old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging for bread. And I remember when I first read that, I was a teenager. I am young, David said, and I'm thinking, that's me. Then he says, I am old, and I'm thinking, I'm going to listen to the old man. And he said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging for bread. Well, now, I'm not young. I'm not really old. Amen. Well, I don't know where nobody really wanted to say amen on that one. <laughs> uh, but I'm a little bit in a different perspective. And I'll tell you, I'm right there with David. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen his seed begging for bread. Quite the contrary. He takes care of his own. Amen. Glory to God. So let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the offering this evening. We thank you that Armada is blessed. We thank you that every Armada member and every ministry and every church is blessed. And we speak that blessing upon them boldly in the name of Jesus. And we say all their needs are met and they are well equipped to do everything that you have called them to do. And we thank you, Lord, they have abundance and not lack And they are able, Father, to even superabundantly do more this year than ever before. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. And the ushers will wait upon the people, and the people will be obedient unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, while uh, we're receiving the offering, 
I want to call Kelly up, and we have some special folks we want to call forward. Herb and Sue, would you like to come up? And, and Jill, where's Jill? There she is. Come on up. We're so blessed. We got to pray for Andrea this morning, afternoon. And uh, these three fine folks have graduated from the leadership training school. And I'll just, I'll just brag on them because I'll tell you what, from what it takes to graduate, they've done a whole lot more than they realized in the period of time that it took to get them there. And the books they had to read, the articles or the reports they had to write, the group discussions that they had, the cell group meetings that they had, the class lectures that they had to receive, and the, uh, is it 60 scriptures they had to memorize? That was the hardest. That was the hardest. There's scripture passages. It's a lot of scripture. Thank God for it. And I started it, and I'm not letting it be taken out. <laughs> Because Bible, the Bible says in Psalms 119, I, 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 you know, the young man, he puts that word of God in his heart. And it's so important. Amen? Amen. So, so one of the beauties of this is as we began our armada as a ministry, a network of ministers, uh, the Lord dealt with me that the, the focus is on relationships. I really struggled myself I joined many different ministers uh, fellowships and and would benefit in different ways from the different ones and but ultimately it seemed like just a gathering similar to AA where you'd go in and eat donuts and swap horror stories and and uh, there were there was there weren't the relationships that satisfied my heart and uh, started to meet different men of God uh, on a smaller basis actually we we would work together in the mission field, and our motto was birthed out of that. I didn't really plan it. It just happened, sort of like an unplanned family. But when, it, when God gives it to you, it's like, wow, look at this. Where'd this come from? And then as we grew a little bit bigger, we realized, well, we need to structure it a little bit. So we came up with some rules that the only way to, a minister could join our motto was if two others would sponsor them. I remember one time with Pat. Wasn't that funny? And uh, uh, Pat was sitting between me and another Armada member at dinner one time, and he looked at me and he said, I've been on your website, I've read every page, I I've looked everywhere I can, and I don't see anywhere where it says, how do I join Armada? How he says, here I am begging, knocking on the door, how do I get in? And I put my arm around him at the same time, unconsciously, the other member put his arm around him. I said, welcome aboard. <laughs> so two have to sponsor one to come in. Well, then Kelly came. God bless you, Kelly, as she's been leading our leadership training school. What an effort. She's a godsend. Amen. And, uh, you know, we could talk all night about what the Burroughs family has done and how God has used them. We're just eternally grateful. And Kelly came to me and petitioned me. She said, you know, uh, Armada Commission, when they go through Armada Commission, they become Armada members. What about our guys? And there's been over 20, you were saying. Uh, uh, so I said, well, you know, here's the rules. You just got to have two to sponsor them. 
So we designed a way to get around the rules. And, and so uh, 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 Armada members sponsor the students that go through LTS. So we're so excited to uh, invite the three of you to join Armada as ministers, as members. Welcome to the family. Welcome aboard. We don't have a secret handshake. We don't have a plaque to put on the wall. But we sure do want to celebrate you. And from this night on, we're really proud to count you one of our own. And uh, uh, I, don't, I don't think any of us really know where it's going to take us, but it's always going to be good. Amen. So I just like, amen. So I want my wife to come up. And Bob, why don't you scoot up here and let's lay hands on these folks. Come on, sweetheart. And let's just, folks, let's just stretch your hands towards these guys. We just receive you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, O oh Father God, for Herb and Sue and how faithful they've been in the church, how faithful they've been even in churches before they ever finally came to our shores. Lord, you've used them for a long time and in, and in many ways and in many places and among many people. And we just thank you that you continue to multiply that. We, we ask you, Lord, that the glory of the Lord is, is the reflection that they give to those about them. And I honor you, Jesus, for everything you're going to do in their life. We're so blessed. We're so blessed. And Lord, I thank you uh, that... that it's amazing how every part adds something special, and these three wonderful folks are going to add so much to us. That's why we're so excited. It's so good to have you aboard. Where have you been? Praise the Lord. Thank you in Jesus' name. Welcome aboard, Jill. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. And the Lord good. Well... We also have one more. Uh, Sid, why don't you come on up and let's drag the Mills family up here. Yeah. I, uh, uh, I'm just really honored to uh, see what God's been doing overseas. As the Lord, as you all know, in the last six years, the Lord took me on a path of the completely unexpected. But the only way that I was able to do that is... is other men around me like Sidney and uh, Alex Cherney uh, stepped up to the plate and, and, and were in a position to minister and be a blessing. And I've known Larry since, uh, I guess we figured out it was 1993 down at Cliff Reynolds Church in Elwood City. Uh, and and uh, Bruce Latibue and I went down there to hear him preach. That was a long time ago. And I, I, I haven't looked in my journal, but I'm just telling you right now by the Spirit, I even remember what sermon you preached. It was from the book of Psalms about those that go down to the sea. They go out in deep waters and they see great things. That was the sermon you preached. Yeah, it touched my heart because I thought, here's a man who has world vision. And we hooked up. And I, you know, and I don't know at that point if you said, hey, if you're ever, if you're ever in uh, Bulgaria, come by and uh, have a cup of coffee. He was in Bulgaria at the time. But it so happened that, that, that the Lord did get me over there. I went over to Minsk, and, uh, and we, Bruce and I jumped on a train. It took us three days to get to Bulgaria. Never forget that. And met some folks there. Met Sven from uh, Sweden. He still stays in touch with me. And actually, because of him, he took me into Sweden, and I preached in a whole bunch of churches and a 
girl with green hair was born again one night because of that. I'll tell you that story someday. And I don't, my son Zach will tell you what number that one is. Uh, but we had a great and marvelous time. And, and Kay, now you, you really know the real hero is the wife, right? Uh, amen? Kay had those four girls, and this is Laura, the, the third, second. And they had four girls, and I'll never forget it, my first time. I fell in love with those four girls because they were whispering around the table. And, and, and I, finally, you know, Kay and Larry started laughing. They said, oh, the girls think you look like Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, well, those girls, I love those girls. Wow. You know, so they've been my favorites ever since. And, and that'll also tell you that it was probably a long time ago. I haven't seen Kiefer lately. Oh, brother. Oh, that was good. That was really good. Yeah, I'll get you some more money after this service. Yeah. So, Sydney, come around here. Sydney actually got into hooked up with Larry. And uh, he took the initiative by the Spirit and reached out to Larry. And they've been doing some work together. And, and I, I, I can't even express in my heart... It, number one, it's supernatural. Number two, it's what fellowship and relationship is. It's what Armada is. You know, it's not organization. It's relationship. I've always believed that fellowship, as Bill and I have talked about many times, you know, you, you, you go to do something like preach in a Bible school, and you're with another minister doing that work together. It, it's, it's not easy. It's hard work. But the fellowship's different. It really produces a great a great thing in the kingdom. Amen. And then recently, I'm not even sure how Larry got a hold of Alex, but, but to Alex, hmm? was it through you? Relationship. And then Alex Cherney is uh, uh, the Ukraine director in uh, Ukraine and my assistant and, and uh, translator. Uh, Alex has gone now, is it three times or three times? And it wasn't until the third time that he ever met Larry. And when I say he went, Larry turned his church over to him and let Alex take care of the church for a week. A month. Well, the one was a month, wasn't it? With the fleas and the snake and everything. <laughs> Those are two different times. But just based on my recommendation and trust, you can't, you can't do that in the natural. That's the Holy Spirit. And uh, uh, I honor that in you, sir. That you'd see the Spirit of God and trust in the Spirit. And, and saying all that, I wanted to give Larry a few minutes to say hello and Kay and, and Laura, and however, because they're family. And I'm not talking about, hey, we've supported these guys for a long time. Although we have, and many of you support them also individually, which just makes me want to weep. And I know it does make them weep. But more than that, it's, it's, it's their family by relationship. And tonight, uh, we're receiving them as members of our motto. Oh. Amen. I, I just want to say what an honor it's been to be here this week and among other great men of God. Hallelujah. I know I'm in the right company. I've been part of different ministers' fellowships and things like that, but I've never been among a group of people who are so much like my heart, you know, in especially reaching the unreached and um, missions and all of it. And I, I'm just so grateful um, 
we've, as he said, we're, we've been working together with Pastor Sidney and, and Alex out of Kiev, and uh, they've been a huge blessing to us. Uh, we pastor churches, he said, an international church, and um, things are going excellent. I mean, we're, we're so excited to see the growth. Uh, Sidney could verify it, you know, in the people there and what God's doing there. And I know we're just beginning because God has a, a huge harvest to bring out of that place. And I know we're on the, on the edge, on the verge. And of all the times, and I've said this before to you, of all the times in history to be alive, this is the best time. Amen? We are a blessed people to be chosen by God to be alive in this time. Hallelujah. And, and I want to just quote a scripture. It meant, has meant a lot to me over the years. And it's out of Second Kings chapter 19, verse 30. And it's speaking about the remnant of Judah. And God said, your roots will go downward and your fruit will go upward. And I feel like being, be, becoming a part of Armada here tonight is part of that. You know, it's, it's putting our roots down. So we, I know we're going to see more fruit come out of this, just in the relationships and in in being a part of this family. I believe we're going to see a greater fruit come out of this. And we thank you for standing with us and believing God with us. And we're more than happy to stand with you and believe God for all that he's called you to do, your churches, uh, your works. Uh, we're blessed to see what he's doing among you just as well. So hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Well, you want you want to say anything? Yeah, You know, the other day we were having a conversation about what is Armada, and uh, so I was explaining to them the best I could that it's a relationship of like-minded individuals, right? As you've been hearing this week, and and then I said to him, I said, you know, uh, out of everyone I know in the Armada network, you guys benefit more from it than anyone else I know in the network, and you're not even members. <laughs> and because, you know, I've been there a number of times. Levi has been there. Brian Wills has been there. Eric has been there. Alex has been there. And uh, all because of that interconnection of relationship. And so uh, it's so good to have you uh, be a part of the family here. To point out, that's really that's really sweet. Praise the Lord. Well, let's let's uh, stretch our hands towards this precious family. I do believe you're just beginning. It's probably going to take about thirty more years to uh, wrap it up. <laughs> Lord, Lord, we're just so blessed. Come on, Terry. Come on, sweetheart. Bob, do you want to come up here? Or are you still hiding in the back? <laughs> Father, we thank you and we honor you for this precious family and those that aren't even here, the girls out in Tulsa and the grandchildren, the Lord and the members of the church, some of the disciples scattered about in some other cities and, and those few even touching them in Florida. Lord, I bless you. There's, there's no distance in the spirit. We are a body and we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. That is, we welcome them into this fellowship. It is a spiritual thing. Uh, 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 those th here just a minute ago from the LTS, the, the Mills family, Lord, we, we bless you that we offer them the right hands of fellowship, but we also receive their right hands of fellowship, and we're thereby, all of us, much stronger together. We bless you for it. Where one will put a thousand to flight, two will put ten thousand. 
Welcome aboard in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you. Amen. Give us a hug. I don't know why. It's the Holy Ghost supernaturally quickened me on that message you preached. And that's 1993. So that's a good word. Amen. Sticks around. The Bible says the Holy Ghost will bring things to your remembrance. Amen. Well, we'll dismiss the children at this time. Uh, what is it? 50 years old and younger? No, no. Fifth grade. Read that wrong. Fifth grade and younger. It looks like they already left. Those that want to leave. Nobody wants to leave. Glory to God. Just want to take a minute and just breathe because that's all good. Mm, Amen. Hallelujah. Apostle Paul was there. Apostle Paul, Larry Mills, whatever. Amen. Someone asked me, did you ever meet Kenneth Hagin? I said, did you ever meet Larry Mills? Some of the old generals are gone. Some of the new old are moving in. Yeah. Hallelujah. I don't know. There's just something in the spirit before I turn it over. Does anybody have a word? Yeah. I don't know why you always go all the way in the back, my dear brother. <laughs> I didn't want to be rude, but uh, I, I had a word for Larry, and I didn't want to intrude. But what I've seen, Larry, is I, I've seen the tears that you've shed, and they're so precious to the Lord. But the fruit that will come from each and every tear that's come down from you, that is dripped, that is dripped, that is dripped. There'll be added souls beyond what you've experienced in the past. Souls that'll come from each and every direction. Men and women and children that'll gather together. And the anointing that's been placed upon you and the house in which you stand with. The anointing will increase, and like the tears have been shed, the rain will pour. And there will be an outpouring with the manifestations of the glory of God beyond the measures that you've seen in the past. Beyond that, even which others have even spoken about in the past. For the greatest days are lying ahead of you. The preparation time in which you've been prepared for is such a time as this. And God will shoot you from his quiver in the destinations that shall be opened. For disciples will be raised up, men and women that have no clue, even right, right now at this moment. But their hearts are about to be invaded with the entrance of the word of the Lord. 
And God's word will permeate them and they will be transformed and you will see gifts and the callings of God manifest in the hearts of multitudes. For I've called you a father to that nation. Thank you, Lord. There's more, but you'll have to come to Titus, Phil. Uh, I'm sorry, Larry. Going to Titus, so that's that's harder than getting back. To... <laughs> just just so you know, I never told him anything about our conversation this morning. But from listening to that prophetic word, I think he was sitting at the table with us. That's the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Well, let's just stand up one more time. Stretch out that lethargy. Shake your hands a little bit. Move around a little bit. Turn to three people and tell them you ain't seen nothing yet.